0: So we have covered a huge amount of ground in the past 29 days and today we come to the end of the 30-topic window. We've spoke about the power of the mind, mental strength because thought is the only power, only real power a human being has. To change your thoughts is to change your life, to change others' thoughts is to change their life, and if the intent is selfish, that change is not always for the best. We've learned that the most narcissistic thing we can do is to want someone else to change, and the most altruistic is to change how we see them. As an example you might know someone who is dying. You might want them not to die. That's narcissistic because they may be suffering and we don't care about that we just want to avoid our own pain of letting go. So we could, altruistically not want to change them, but to see their journey and respect that. This is all very confronting. So the question is how do we determine if we are being narcissistic or altruistic in our feelings towards others? It is a very important point because rescue breeds resentment and therefore narcissism is going to get negative feedback. Every object we see is revealing something. It tells us its character, nature, and secrets. Every person we meet tells us their past, present, and future. Every presence explains to us, without words, all that it contains. There is no other real language. It comes in the form of dialogue, if we allow ourselves to hear it. But we need to hear, not with our ears. A health heart shows in a person's eyes, their words, their movements, and manner. A broken person reveals themselves in all their movements their glance and expression, in their walk, and in everything they do. They will show discontent. We will see it, hear it and feel it only if we free ourselves to witness it. This concept of becoming tuned in, or aligned requires that we get out of our own way. 99% of people are thinking about themselves 100% of the time. Worried about what people think, worried about how their life is going to go, worried about their problems and their friends and their friends' problems because they care about how it affects them. Greater than truly most people are deaf to anything that is not about themselves. Greater than. Greater than Chris Jesus Walker. To truly hear, we must apply the universal laws and have an intent greater than ourselves. This may seem complex, yet it is so simple. Through the attainment of contentment, we can experience attunement. It is during a moment of honesty with a friend that we come to know how to experience and to enjoy friendship. The more depth a person shares, the more friends he or she will have. It is smallness, narrowness, lack of spiritual development which makes a person exclusive, separated, and distanced from others. A shy person perceives they are superior. What they repress externally, they express within. They feel superior to others, they become distracted from the outer, and their friendly attitude transforms into sour notes easily. They cut themselves off from others, and in this lies the tragedy. That person is never content greater than a person who is blessed with the gift of intuition, can read these signs. Outwardly, things may appear as solids, but inwardly they come as a narrow continual record, a talking record, which is always expressing what is written within it. No traveler with an attunement to their intuition will deny the fact that in lands of ancient traditions, you will experience numerous places which sing aloud the legends of the past. The one who finds the key to containment in life is the one who becomes the intuitive. It is they who are inspired, who create revelations and manifest their destiny. To this person, all language is simply music. Every object they see becomes revealing of nature's secrets, as they are unveiled to those who are ready. The author knows those who have been blessed with intuition, and those who have devoted themselves to spiritual practice and achieved a deeper understanding of life. They are obvious, they stand out in society. I also know those without it, and who are lazy in the process of diligence of thought and word, still waiting for the cosmos to hand them their escape contentment arises from the depth of the human heart. It has two aspects, impression and intuition. Intuition is a definite faculty, as it comes by responsiveness. We often say, this person gives me such and such an impression, but there is no evident reason to prove this judgment. Perhaps we are not capable of finding any reason to prove it. Nevertheless, our impression is more often than not correct. I have learned to be unnaturally intuitive. It is not necessary for me to wait to speak to someone, all I need is one moment. As soon as I see the person, or hear them, I get an impression, which is a form of intuition. It requires a clear, still mind. Intuition which flows from contentment, is a super sense. It may be called a sixth sense, it is the essence of all senses. When I say I simply sense something, it does not mean that there are objective reasons to prove that it was true. It means that, without any external affirmation or objective signs, I have sensed it. Intuition, which is independent of impression, is of a deepened nature. It is a sense that comes to us before we choose to begin something, and so we know what will happen in the future. Before the beginning of a venture, a person senses the result of it. Intuition can be considered a sort of inner guidance, sometimes it serves as a warning from within. We all have it but it needs contentment before it can be heard. Contentment and how do we know? Contentment is first expressed as a vision, then a feeling. That feeling turns into a thought in the mind. In the mind, it shapes itself, and becomes clearer. Then the mind turns it into a form, and at this point it becomes language. In order to become clear, it starts with you knowing what contentment looks like e a universe, a lake, a mountain or something big like Mount Everest. Totally content. Then, so that it can be distinguished, contentment turns into three different thoughts, a feeling, an imagination, and words. When it comes to intuition, some people hear the inner voice, the voice of clear intuition, while another person may simply have a feeling, which they may call the gut. Another person may not experience an intuitive feeling at all, until they have spoken or heard the words spoken aloud, clarifying where this knowing came from. A contented person is the most intuitive of beings. Intuition has nothing to do with learning. An uneducated person can be much more intuitive than one who is academically certified, as intuition lies in another domain of knowledge and it comes from another direction we need to be able to see contentment in our mind as if it were a screen placed in front of us. While looking at it, it must be so damn powerful, that it can shut us off, just for a nanosecond, and fix our everything solidly upon contentment. By developing concentration on contentment as an image, you still the mind, and that stillness, can be continually improved by better and better images, you can be tuned to a higher pitch. That tuning is essential for leadership, totally necessary for intuition. You cannot let failure or error discourage you in this process. No mistakes are possible. There is only learning. If you persist, you and your intuition will become as powerful as your eyesight. Somebody will look up your bum and see light. Yes, you'll glow like a glowworm. (laughs) Ha 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 ha, but, seriously, you will have an experience of life beyond the boring, obvious sensory plane. This is a powerful gift. One that everyone gets in the seconds before death, so if you'd rather wait, it's fine with me. Getting more aware. There are many ancient places where one can discover engraved stones, woods carved with artistic designs, or some symbolic representation of an ancient people's life and prayers. I have found such places while trekking in the mountains of Nepal, or Sedona, where one finds stones, engraved over thousands of years by a village people steeped in their commitment to prayer. It's like a really spooky experience because you feel the presence of a people or a person and it's truly like they are kissing your neck. The same experience can be found in the atmosphere of gardens and trees in the forest, they also express the past and the ancient impressions that have been given to them by those who sat amongst them. Often people have superstitions about a tree being haunted, especially in the East. In truth, a vibration has been created, consciously or unconsciously, by someone who has lived there or taken shelter under the tree. Their ponderings, thoughts, or feelings have been absorbed into the tree, and the tree's vibration expresses it. Perhaps the person has been forgotten but the tree is still repeating the thought that has been passed on to it, for the tree can express the voice that has spoken to it with more clarity because it is a pure, uncontaminated container. If you are a leader and you move into another person's office, you seriously need to do a puja. Best done when no one is around but the secret to it is to get naked, and dance around with a feather up your bum. No, no, no only joking, seriously though, you really do need to paint the place, burn a candle and tell their energy to exit. In countries, where, In ancient times, people used to travel long distances by foot through the forests and take shelter under a certain tree, such trees are rich in messages and questions absorbed from these weary travelers. Many aboriginal cultures adhere to this system of communication, seeking answers from the wisdom of the trees or even rocks, with developed intuitive faculties, they will hear the messages more clearly than if they had heard them from a living person. Such communication can be found amongst animals as well. Pets absorb thought and feeling through their contact with humankind. Those who know horses are very particular in buying one which has good vibrations, apart from considering its health and breed. Often a horse of very good breed and perfectly sound health can be unlucky. The reason for this is that the disposition of its former rider will have been left in the energy of the animal, leaving its influence on the heart of the horse. Perhaps the personality of the person will change, but the horse will elicit behaviors indicative to the time spent with its previous owner. You can also see pets take on the demeanor of their owner. This is seen in vicious dogs, gentle ones, playful, biting dogs, and kind ones. Others shit on the footpath and heaven knows what part of their owner they are copying there. We have all experienced a cat that simply won't let a person touch it. All this reveals secrets hidden from the human eye, revealed to the spiritual eye about, not the cat, but the owner. It is the spirit of the animal, expressing the feeling they possess from the owner. Greater than we put our energy into everything we do. Not only our physical energy will become the thrust behind a project, but also the inspiration that was present during its creation. For instance, it is not difficult for an intuitive person to experience, from the food that is cooked for them, the thoughts and feelings of the cook. My neighbor gave me two rotten unions heated up and cold glazed. But if I ate them it'd be the only thing glazed around here. She was showing where she was at. It is not only the level of skill the cook possesses but also the what the cook was experiencing and thinking at that particular time. The cook's mood, be it irritated while cooking, or grumbling or sighing, or if he or she is miserable and depressed, the final state of the food will express this lack of presence and loving preparation. The thought that accompanies an object is a vibration of free energy, a life energy. From a mystical conception, vibrations may be considered to have three aspects, audible, visible and perceptible. The vibrations passed into an object are neither audible nor visible, they are perceptible. It is not to say that one who lacks intuitive faculty does not perceive it, they will do so unconsciously. In a creative work of art, there is found, independent of the skill it has taken to produce this piece and the ideas it conveys to us, there also exists a perceptible feeling that comes from it, of it. A work of art may be a beautiful thing to look at, derived of great skill, but with it comes the workings of the mind of the artist. The effect of that picture is not what it suggests outwardly, but what it speaks from the voice behind its creation. Energy exists in all things. The object can be thought of as the instrument, while the thoughts of the individual are life itself. A person puts the life into an object. When an object is being created, a transference of energy takes place and the form receives its integrity, its strength, or it may receive weakness and negativity. So when you are a family or business leader, what you produce has your energy. Are you managing that? Another great opportunity is in visiting a sick friend. The flowers one takes to a patient in the hospital convey our healing thoughts through the flowers. The patient will receive whatever messages we passed along each time they look at the flowers. Sometimes we grab a bunch of shitty flowers from the lobby and dutifully deliver them or get the inaflora shop to deliver but forget that if we take food or sweets to a friend with a message of love, its consumption will create healing. In every picture, in every statue, in every artistic construction, one can hear the voice within the piece, telling the story of its purpose, the reason for its creation. Sometimes an artist is unaware of their purpose for creating their work, they may be just following their imagination. There may be a result that contradicts their desired image. may be a product that tells a greater message than what they were aware of during its creation. Once I paid a visit to the central head office of a local business. I wouldn't describe the business as hugely successful, but it was wonderfully unique. No sooner had I set foot inside the building than I observed an outrageous color scheme and pictures chosen as its prominent features in the main lobby. I was immediately surprised, and wondered how such a business could have existed so long with such chaotic undertones. Not long after, I learned that the business was plagued with bad luck and human resources problems, illness and stress. The life of this business had died. Where was the presence of harmony, inspiration and spirit in the physical representation of the single most important building of this business? A friend once took me to see paintings made by his wife. When I saw them I was able to read the whole history of her life. It was obvious that his wife had experienced severe abuses and depression and was living totally outside of her body. The pain of her story was expressed in those paintings, and those paintings were killing both of them. As much as the paintings expressed angelic pictures of the life ever after, a fine thread of sadness and depression weaved itself through those pictures. Whoever now owns those paintings will surely feel the vibration of a life not fully lived. The same experience can be had with poetry. In history, there were many poets who were sad, depressed, and alcoholic. Their ability to string words together in ways that provoke feelings and thought is powerful. Yet deep within the words and behind the words are the depression and ugliness of their miserable lives. We can clearly see that our unconscious thoughts and feelings produce an effect upon all things we come into contact with, a place, a rock, a tree or a seat. Whether we give it our messages, or receive messages from others, an exchange happens, an imprint, and a memory. The individual who can understand the psychology of this, will accomplish the purpose of their life by finding contentment we can impress great power upon our life work through the impression of thought and feeling during the creative process. Therefore every little thing given and taken in love, with a grateful thought has a greater value than the object itself. It is not the object, but the thought that propels or animates the object. It becomes evident to us then, that it is not simply the everyday tasks of our life to hold and create material value, but also, to hold our thoughts and integrity in the right place. It is our thoughts that are projected into the world, and stay forever, that hold our energy. We can choose to pass on negative destructive thoughts, like dislike for a boss or someone based on logical argument, or loving, kind, constructive thoughts. When we are mindful of the, the importance of our home life, our partnering, our environment and of our thinking we can watch our work become 1000 times greater in effect and real value. And this is a juggling act because our current lifestyles do not foster an appreciation for the energy and love put into products. We go on Amazon and get something as cheap as possible from China without regard for the energy we bring into our home. We carelessly purchase items without much thought as to the energy that went into their creation and manufacture. But there's a massive benefit to good energy things. Remember that there was a time, in both Eastern and Western countries, when people would spend significant time preparing clothes, taking into consideration ritual and tradition in the process of creating a garment. Now clothes can be easily bought online from who cares, many people don't consider where or by whom their undies are made, whether they were made grudgingly or with love. And that stuff sits right next to possible downstairs. Greater than the environment in an office can create or destroy a leader. Red walls excite a person and will make them inclined to fight. A striking color will give you an argumentative environment. From a psychological point of view ancient customs use a certain color for a wedding, and other colors for different festivals it all has meaning, there is a psychological significance behind the subtle realities of our lives. Consider the manufacturer of ships and planes, methods of transportation that are used daily, risking human lives. Who makes these? Who knows what suffering or internal struggles existed in the minds of the builders of the Titanic? Was there a peacemaker amongst them, coaching them to keep a certain rhythm of mind while making this great ship? Were the individuals who handled each and every being with their hands, distracted and impatient, or living in harmony and presence? everything that is made carries a magical influence in it. If a vehicle is made with thought quite contrary to what is required for it to run smoothly, surely danger awaits this ship, train or car. In emergency situations, often without apparent cause, a boat will be found in danger, due to a malfunction or broken piece. The cause, as stated above, can be attributed to the thoughts of its maker, or the conditions of its purchase. So it is when a house is built. The thoughts passed on by one who is building it, or by those who worked on it, are all important. In short, we understand by this concept that there is thought attached to all things prepared either by individual or by a multitude, and that thought must give and cause results. This is also true for your action. Not only is energy exchanged in the construction of a thing but in the funding and management of it. I have seen many a poor person, wealthy in money at the expense of others whose life is totally cursed by toxicity in their use of black money. Dark energy surrounds people who have deceived, They and their possessions are cursed by the energy that attaches to them. Greater than the thoughts that go into something multiply its effect by thousands. The emotional state we are in when we write a letter is worth more than all the words combined. The positive thoughts filling the mind while we cook are as important to our nourishment as the origin and source of the food itself. The love and care we invest in the writing of an email, painting picture or composing of a song, is all as vital than the work itself we can expand our thoughts even further to consider how our conscious and subconscious thoughts will affect our own bodies, and potentially that of the person we sleep next to. Continuously plagued with negative thoughts, or living with little gratitude, our bodies will start to reveal the toxic inner dialogue, eventually manifesting in physical disease. The following story illustrates this point clearly. An acquaintance of mine has a son who is 5 years old. This child has witnessed his parents' difficult and rather violent separation. During the time that the child was under the father's care, the parent would express his hate for people, his anger and violent thoughts toward his ex-wife, his wish for ill to befall others. The child absorbed these thoughts and began to experience ill health. Asthma and mental stress, accidents. By internalizing his father's toxic shock, it affected this child's own health, he eventually fell seriously ill. The attitudes, thoughts and feelings that exist in our mind, not only affect our own bodies, but those around us and subsequently the things we create. In the writing of an email, the author may sometimes mask the true meaning, yet the letter conveys the messages that have not been written. Words written with loving thoughts behind them will have a far greater effect than a thousand pages of dry, well written literature. Have you ever heard an email speaking? It is not simply what is written on the paper, a letter brings the one who wrote it to life. You can feel their intent. An email carries the vibration of thought and feeling, as do all forms of communications. Greater than the power of inspiration can become eternal. The lifespan of a living thing does not necessarily decrease with time. According to the intensity of feeling that was put into it at the time of its creation, it may sustain the energy of its creation for a long time. The sound of a note on the piano resounds according to the intensity with which you strike the key. If you strike with less intensity it lasts a shorter time. The duration of the lifespan is directly correlated to the strength with which a note has been struck, and the instrument you play. If people in their daily life would examine every action that has created disagreeable attitudes and caused darkness and dissatisfaction of themselves, from the soul's perspective, they could simply become more mindful and change the behaviors that destroy their own creations. The soul's satisfaction is much more important than that of the body because it lasts forever. In this perspective, the mastery is in conscious management of thought, word and deed, and they can be adjusted so that contentment can be established first in the self, and then in the outer world. Conclusions you have to learn to become what you see. Seeing with your eyes is not good enough, you must learn to feel it. You see a rose, but this is with your eyes, and if your mind is not stilled, you are not feeling it. It is not true seeing is it? While there is a separation between you and the rose, you are seeing only with your eyes. That seeing is incomplete. When you see the rose with your eyes, there is no real experience, you are actually recalling a memory, from the past, and this seeing is just recollection. You see it and go ah, that's a rose, you intellectualize it and keep moving. Did you really experience anything? Only that experience you just had is the one of the past. Your memory substitutes even the smell, you are just too busy to keep smelling things, you say, I already smelt a rose but what about the rose you are looking at now? Just a short glimpse of anything is enough to revive the memory of the past experiences, and simply we pass on thinking, I have seen a rose it is beautiful, but we really haven't seen this rose. You must remain with the rose. See it. With your eyes, and then feel it. How do you feel? You align every sense to it. Smell it, touch it, let it become a deep bodily experience. Close your eyes and let the rose touch your whole face. Feel it. Let the eyes and the ears touch it, smell it. Taste it with your mouth. Put it against your skin, be silent with it, give this rose a chance to be itself, give yourself the chance to experience the feeling. Forget everything else, forget the whole world, make the whole world just this rose. If your mind is thinking of other things then your experience of this rose is not real. It will not penetrate deeply. Forget all other roses, do not compare this rose to any other rose, or any other flower. There is no need to say that this is better than any other rose, or this is not as pretty as the rose I saw last week, or this is an Australian rose and that is a Russian rose, they are unnecessary thoughts. Be here with this rose now and experience all it has to offer. There are many people who will find this exercise difficult because they are not sensitive. There will come a moment when there is no separation and you will say I have become a rose, I am a rose this is what happens in love. If you are in love with someone, you forget the whole world. If you are still remembering the world, then know well that this is not love. When you have forgotten the whole world, only the beloved, the lover remains. You can use this technique with the rose to find your partner, to explore him or her, to know them completely. Over the past 40 years we have seen people lose this skill of becoming one with the object of their love we have literature replacing intimacy for so many people. But they do not understand what they are looking at because they are just sitting on the surface and absolutely do not understand the relationship between love and sex. The place of total presence where the object of love and the lover become one. Just as with the rose it is possible to become so connected to the object that there is no separation and in this time true love and intimacy is experienced, it is not a sexual thing. But sex for lovers can be like the scent and the flavor and the touch of the rose, it can draw the senses inward until there is no separation. Zen masters have used rocks instead of roses for the object of their meditation. They say that if they can become one with a rock, then there is no human being on earth that they cannot become one with. A rose for them would be too easy. But we are not Zen masters and therefore we need to begin this practice with something that we already love. Choose an object, which is something precious to you. Feel it, go deep into it and let it go deep into you. It is not for the purpose of achieving pleasure but for the purpose of achieving contentment. The moment will come when all other objects have left you, and there is simply one in front of you and then this one will disappear. When you have forgotten all, you and the object will merge. And eventually, you will fall into the place where absolutely nothing remains. There is no you and there is no object and this is the place of absolute unconditional love. In this place there is no time and there is no space. You cannot tell where you are or how long you are there. To stay in this place for long is nearly impossible. Only those who have practiced for most of their lives achieve extended periods in this state of absolute oneness. To approach this place of love directly, without practice or without object would be very difficult and arduous. So we have the opportunity to pass through an object as a vehicle. You do not have to have an object which is tangible it can be in your imagination. But this is dangerous and can be confusing. Elsewhere in this training with me, at an advanced level you will be provided with a series of exercises for the development of visualization, mind control and in this exercise regime first we learn to master the imagination and then we open the eyes and make the imagination reality. If you wish to master this process then it is important to note that you should begin with one object and not change it. Because if you change a lot you will go across the surface of this process rather than deep into it. You should use the same object every day. When you can, with great comfort, be filled with the flower or whatever the object you have chosen, then you will say now I am one with it. Then all else is forgotten, and you can experience this repeatedly. This is an amazing achievement in itself. The second part of this process which is to allow the rose to vaporize and for you to sit in the void which was the rose and you become nothing. Is beyond the reach of this current training.